All right, sports fans, welcome to another edition of the Talking Sports Cast with Jay. I'm Jay. I'm Al. He's Al. And uh, we're back in your ear again for our weekly podcast here. It is Super Bowl Sunday, the morning of Super Bowl Sunday, uh, 10 a.m. here on the East Coast. You West Coasters probably aren't up yet, or maybe you are. I shouldn't assume. And if you want to begin tailgating, today is the day to do it. A national holiday, so to speak, yep. here in the United States. Over or under more than 50% of workers calling in tomorrow, Well. I would say over 50%. <laughs> I will not be one of those guys. I will guys. not be one of them either. <laughs> I will be at work helping the good people of Rochester see and see well. And hopefully their eyeglasses and contacts work this evening or they have a big enough screen to enjoy tonight's game. We had talked about the Super Bowl a lot last week in last week's show. We did, um, yes. You know, we broke it down. We made our bold predictions. As I wake up this morning getting ready for today's podcast, of course, my buddy Steve, He's a big better. He's got things going on. A lot of my friends in the fantasy football group are picking the birdies. I seem to be the lone man on the Kansas City Chiefs totem pole. And to be fair, I don't like either team. I'm a diehard, passionate Green Bay Packer fan, and I've got my reservations and disdain with both of those organizations for various reasons. However, game recognizes game. I just think Patrick Mahomes is a beast. And I don't see Jalen Hurts beating him in a shootout. And I think the Kansas City Chiefs have the ability to turn it into a shootout. Yeah, It's going to be more than Philadelphia can chew. good buddy of mine said, well, the Eagles did spank that ass last week, 31-7. to I said, hold up, pump your brakes. They had no quarterback. They had no quarterback. The 49ers said no quarterback. No quarterback. Uncle Rico was getting ready to check in. Yeah, he throw was, him over those mountains. He was throwing beef. <laughs> he was throwing beef at Napoleon's face, warming up in the back. Then Brock Birdie came back in. We agree. Uh, it was a decoy. He yeah. couldn't throw. San Francisco became very one-dimensional. And in the NFL, that's going to be easy to defend against. Yeah. The Eagles showed that. If it wasn't for a great run by McCaffrey, it could have been a shutout. But pump your brakes on telling me that Jalen Hurts can win a shootout against Patrick Mahomes when he was 15 of 25, 121 yards, no touchdowns, a 72.2% QBR. And that catch that uh, Devontae Smith made actually wasn't, wasn't a catch. catch. Yeah, so I if Sam, the, the biggest play of the game was that play, I do believe. They made it upset. Yeah, they made it 7 nothing because that drive sustained. <clears throat> yes. And they went down and scored. So, so there's, there was, what, 36, 37 yards of his 121. So if that catch gets overturned, we're talking about a quarterback like south yards. of 100 yards, yeah. folks. South of 100 yards against a really good defense in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Sure. Absolutely. But Kansas City, no slouch. Andy Reid, ton of experience. Five straight AFC championship games. They've been here. They've done that. They've got the T-shirt. They've got the hat. They got the script, Jason. They got, they got the, script. the script. They got the script. <laughs> if you believe in that shit, they got the script. And, uh, yeah, they've kissed a Lombardi. So I just – kudos to Philadelphia for getting here. Um, but we talked all season. The AFC is stacked. The AFC is stacked. The AFC is stacked. Yeah, Burrow, Mahomes, Allen, Herbert just, even. Herbert even. I mean, the quarterback talents in the AFC, really, really good. Mm -hmm. Not to take anything away from the NFC, but I just, I got to stick to my guns, man. I'm not one of these wishy-washy sports fans. I said whoever won the AFC championship game was going to win the Super Bowl. And I said that before San Fran and the, and the Eagles even laced them up. 
So I stick to my guns. I'm sticking with the Chiefs. That was you a, said that even after the divisional game. After the too. divisional, I said it. I picked the Chiefs last week, 30 to 17, and I doubled down on it on FanDuel this morning. I picked that as the final score with like plus 25,000 odds. I put a $5 <laughs> bet on it or a $2 bet or some crazy shit like that. I'm kind of cheap, but I can win $500 if that's the final score. I'm sticking to my guns, folks. It's yeah. going to be the Chiefs, 30-17. to 17. Al, you picked the Eagles, did you not? Yeah, I, I picked the Eagles, and I'm going to be honest with you, as a diehard Bills fan, part of the Bills Mafia, I'm starting to become a Mahomes fan, even ah. though he sounds like Kermit the Frog when he talks. <laughs> but he the is, yeah. Travis the made a great Travis play. Kelsey made the catch. Andy Reid believes in me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, Mahomes is just doing things. He's special. That, you know, not many quarterbacks since Tom Brady has done. No. Um, five straight AFC championship games, three First out of one five years in the Super Bowl or three out of four years in the Super Bowl. Right. So he could be kissing the second Lombardi, but I honestly think the Eagles are just destined to win. I know I said that about the 49ers <laughs> on, the, on, on last week's show. Right. Or a couple weeks ago show. Um, but I feel like the Eagles are going to win 34 31 34 31 so yes. yeah a lot of so again that was the general consensus this morning talking with some of the guys they really thought that the eagles were going to put up in the 30s some people got them winning in overtime ah, i think it's I, I just i don't know i i like kansas city in this one i'm going to stick to my guns on it patrick mahomes listen i don't want to hear about the ankle he's already played two games on the ankle yep. he played against jacksonville the night he heard it he went out for a series not for nothing chad henny came in marched him 99 yards down yep. the field they scored a freaking touchdown That's crazy. so your backup quarterback can come in ice cold you know you get what 10 to 15 little warm-up yep. tosses on the sideline there and then you got to get your ass in there yeah they're well coached the defense has really turned a corner uh you know towards the back half of the season because it's a young defense but they're young and they're hungry and they've got a lot to prove. I just like Kansas City in this one. The Eagles, great defense too. But what are you going to do when the play breaks down? You haven't seen anything like Patrick Mahomes. Leads the league and passes outside of the pocket. He's comfortable out there. He's Shovel comfortable pass. moving. That throw he made late in the game against Cincinnati to MVS, where he had to create some time, step up, throw a BB in there. A BB. It was almost defended. It was defended really, really well. Great, great recognition of the play. Great mobility on display. And that's a leader. No longer can you question Mahomes' toughness. He's showing it to you. A mobile quarterback with a high ankle sprain. 2-0 since he's done it. And now he's going back to the Super Bowl. I'm sticking with my Chiefs, man. Not right. my Chiefs, but I'm sticking with the Chiefs. I'm sticking yeah, with my prediction on the Chiefs. I got the Eagles. He's got the Eagles. You heard it here first. We usually do pretty good on these predictions. Uh, speaking of which... Now we're going to transition. We're going to shift gears a little bit. We're going to get into this wild-ass NBA trade deadline that just came and went this past Tuesday. It was a record-breaking trade deadline day. It involved uh, a total of 24 teams, 12 different trades, and it involved 48 different players. And one thing that I've noticed from going through all these trades is just how popular second-round picks are. Uh, overall, 18 trades total. But 12 came in on the deadline day. We're going to break these trades down, go over the NBA power rankings. And I don't know, we're going to let Elbert play Nostradamus because he sort of did it last week. We were talking about, you had mentioned, wouldn't it be sweet if Irving went to the Mavs? I'm yep. paraphrasing you a little bit, but you kind of touched upon that. Well, guess what? 
He's he's the Mavs. Irving is on the Mavs. Um, and so far, three games in, two and one since the trade. The biggest takeaway that I get from it is, you know, life without Luca before, because Luca does. He's a physical player. He was 40, 45 and a half percent of the Mavericks offense, whether he put the bucket in himself or he was dropping dimes. So he gets a lot of work, a lot of wear and tear on a guy like Luca. And he gets banged up a little bit. So life before Kyrie, the Mavericks were one and seven on the season in games that Luca didn't lace him up. Kyrie comes in, wins the first two with Luca being down. Then unfortunately, they take an L last night to uh, Sacramento with both guys being on the floor. But as a Mavs fan, Sacramento's I'm, a good team. Though. Sacramento's they can a, be, yeah, they could be a good team. And uh, you know, I think there's some playoff spots that are still very wide open. But basically. Uh, the headliners of the NBA trade deadline were Irving and Durant, ironically, both coming out of Brooklyn from the Nets. Uh, and it was a very busy trade deadline, as we say. So Irving went to the Mavs. Mm-hmm. The Nets got Dinwiddie, and they got Dorian Michael uh, Finney-Smith. They also got a 2029 first-round pick and two second-round picks. Um, so I was going through uh, this particular site that I pulled some of this information from did some grades. And in this case, they gave both teams an A minus, which is fine by me. I think if you look at what the Nets did, did they move away from two superstars? Yes, they did. Did they bring in a complement of players that can play ball well together? I think they did. And they're also squirreling away draft picks, which we know in this league can be substantial. Mm-hmm. The Lakers. Not to be outdone, the Lakers made a lot of noise. One of their so they made a couple different moves during the trade deadline. The big one was uh, Ryu Hachimura going yep. to the Lakers. Washington got uh, Kendrick Nunn and three second round picks. So Washington moves on. They squirrel away some picks because for the Lakers, it's now. LeBron James is in his twentieth season. Yeah, how many more years is he going to play? I got another two or three out of the guy. Yeah, he honestly. wants to try to play with Bronny too. I've never. He's made no indication of being anywhere close to retirement. If he's thought about it, he hasn't really told us. He's thirty-eight years old. Yeah. He's in his twentieth season, but he's one of those guys that I think can do it to forty, forty-one, and do it well. We mm-hmm. mentioned last week. You know, he's averaging thirty a game, which is his third highest scoring output in his twenty seasons. So, like fine wine. He's getting better with age. Mm-hmm. So my, we'll, we'll, we'll break these down even more. So yep. Miami, they traded uh, Dwayne Dedman to the Spurs along with a second-round pick for cash considerations. And Dedman has since been released by the Spurs. So this is just a cost-saving move for both teams. Mm-hmm. There was no grades to be given on this. It was just one of those things where we got to make some moves. Miami Heat, obviously, still in the thick of things in the Eastern Conference. The San Antonio Spurs are officially in rebuild mode. Nets involved in another trade. They trade Kessler Edwards to Sacramento along with cash considerations in exchange for the draft rights to David Minchinu. Uh, and this saved the Nets around $8 million in salary and luxury tax, as well as opened up a roster spot to make a move involving Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. So the Nets, you kind of see chess being played here. Okay, we've got two superstars. It Maybe it was a surprise that Kyrie wanted to move on. It caught me off guard. I don't know about and that's you. what triggered Durant to ask for a trade once Kyrie was traded. He yeah, was, he was and done. there was speculation that the Nets were not going to move on from Durant this year, but obviously so much action at the trade deadline. Apparently it did make sense. So then the Lakers, the Jazz, and the Timberwolves had a um, 
three-team deal that involved Russell Westbrook. Mm -hmm. That's another big name to get moved. The Lakers, and this is a nice move for the Lakers, and this is how you're starting to see that they're starting to try to stack the deck a little bit so LeBron and the boys can make a playoff push. I believe they're sitting in the 12th or 13th spot in the West right now. But again, only three games out of that final spot. So the uh, Lakers acquired D'Angelo Russell, which I really like, Jared Vanderbilt, and Malik Beasley. Another player I like is Beasley. Mm Mm-hmm. The Jazz, hold on, i got to flip my notes here. (laughs) The Jazz acquire Westbrook, uh, and he's expected to be bought out. They get Juan Toscano-Anderson and uh, Damon Jones. They also get a 2027 first-round pick from L.A. that is a protected top-four pick. So the Jazz, are they sort of in a rebuild? Could be. Timberwolves receive Mike Conley, solid guard. I like mm-hmm. Mike. Uh, they get uh, Nikhil Alexander, uh, I can't even read my own writing, Walter, and three second-round picks for sending D'Angelo Russell to the Lakers. So this is one of those moves. The Lakers were given an A-plus on the deal. The Timberwolves were given a B. Utah, a C-plus. Um, mm. Because you could argue you're getting an aging Russell Westbrook, fine. Um, and what's he going to bring to the table? Can you win right now? Yep. Now let's talk about your New York Knicks. Yes. They acquired Josh Hart in a four-team deal. In exchange for Hart, the Knicks sent Cam Reddish, Ryan Arcanadanio, I always mess his name up, uh, Savi Michalakuk, I screwed yeah, that up that too, name. probably, yeah. and a, a 2023 lottery-protected first-round pick to Portland. The Blazers then sent Savi and a 2027 second-round pick to Charlotte, who sent Jalen McDaniels in a 2024 second-round pick to Philadelphia, who sent Matisse Thibel to Portland. That's okay. a lot. Digest that, okay? Yep. So, again, these, these grades, New York Knicks were given an A-, minus, Portland a C+, plus, Philly an A, and Charlotte a C. Charlotte is definitely in rebuild. They're one of the worst teams in the league right now, unfortunately, fortunately, because they do have some exciting moments, um, but they're just bad, yeah. and we'll get into that uh, shortly. Toronto, they acquired uh, Jakob Podol again from the Spurs. Interesting, he used to be part of the original Raptors roster, but mm-hmm. he was part of the trade that brought Kawhi Leonard over in the 2018-2019 season. So rumor has it, Raptors have been working for a little while to try to bring him back. He's a good big body. Yeah, he's a good player. I've you know, give, live, giving yeah. you depth. Not live, but And I'm... then the Spurs, again, second-round picks are popular. They re, they get second-round picks in 2023 and 2025, as well as a 2024 first-round pick that is top six protected. Mm. So, again, we spoke about the Spurs being in a rebuild. They're bad, really bad right now. So they're trying to make enough moves to stack the deck for the future. So, as you see, we've gone over eight trades so far, and those second-round picks – are incredibly popular. Yes, and that's going to sure. be a theme that stays throughout this recap here. So the Durant blockbuster trade, talking about that, this was a four-team deal. And this is uh, where it gets crazy. And I think the Nets actually made some good moves here. So the Nets are going to acquire uh, Michael Bridges from the Suns. Yep, He's incredible. I was actually surprised to see them move on from him. But if you're going to get Kevin Durant, you got to give up some things. They gave up Cameron Johnson, Jay Crowder, a 2028 first round pick swap from Phoenix and four unprotected first round picks from the Suns in 2023, 2025, 2027, and 2029. In addition to getting Durant, the Suns also got TJ Warren. Digest it. It's tough. All right. 
Uh, la, 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 la. Let's see. And then the trade expanded to the Bucks and the Pacers. The Bucks acquired Crowder from the Nets. The Nets received draft rights to Juan Pablo Villet uh, from the Pacers and a 2028 and 2029 second round picks from the Bucks. The Pacers received Serge Ibaka, George Hill, Jordan Nawara, and cash considerations from the Nets and three second round picks from the Bucks 2023, 2024, and 2025. Ibaka likely to be waived by the Pacers. And I didn't go in there and see if he got waived yet. Um, he did. He did. Okay. Yeah, I, I saw that yesterday. So he did end up getting uh, waived by the Pacers. He was waived. All right. So that's a lot to digest. That is the blockbuster deal. I think that really helps the Phoenix Suns, but also at the same time, helping the Brooklyn Nets. Gives a solid player. Gives them a really solid yeah. player in Kevin Durant. My only question and concern is, are you going to get the boo-boo Kevin Durant or are you going to get like the beast Kevin Durant? I think a lot of it has to do with Kevin's, you know, willingness and desire to be in whatever cities he is in. Something was definitely going on in Brooklyn that upset two superstars. We could speculate about yeah. that all we want, but at the end of the day, it looked like you had a dream team over there. Now it's gone is what it is. It the like Celtics. Team. Yeah. So there was definitely some things going <laughs> on. The Celtics get Mike Mascala for Justin Jackson, a heavily protected 2023 second round pick and a 2029 second-round pick. Muscala adds depth, and he's what we like to call a floor-stretcher big man. He's currently shooting 39.4% from beyond the arc. So the Celtics mm. just got a big man that can stretch the floor. Boston's looking really good. They beat Philadelphia earlier in the week. Uh, I don't have it right in front of me, but I believe they are number one in the NBA power rankings. Then we get another four-team deal involving both teams from Los Angeles, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets, and the Magic. The Lakers acquire Mo Bamba, Devin Reed, and second-round pick. The Clippers get uh, Bones Highland, love that name, from Denver. Orlando got, hold on, I got to go over here. Got to flip my page again. We've got so many notes here. Orlando got Patrick Beverly and a second-round pick from Denver and cash considerations. The Nuggets got the Rochester, New York's very own Thomas Bryant. So a lot of moves there. Uh, then let's see, what do we got? We got Darius Basley. He's off to the Suns from Oklahoma City for cash considerations, a 2029 second round pick, and Dario Sarkic. Mm -hmm. My mouth is getting dry. <laughs> then we had a four-team trade between Golden State, Detroit, Atlanta, and Portland. So this was a super confusing trade. There's a lot to follow, so we just broke it down by bulletin points. Who got what? That trade's actually in trouble right now. That trade is in trouble. What's going on? Gary Payton. Ah, is he? Is he? Uh, apparently, there was rumors that he was getting injections. Ooh. And they have till I don't know if the trade became official, um, or if it's a deadline set, but that trade could be in trouble. It happened. It's like legit right now, but it could be in trouble. Is this? Does this have to do with him being able to pass a physical? Yeah, he failed the physical. So ultimately, they got some things they got to work on. But gotcha. you can still go over the trade. I'm going to go over the trade. Official right technically now. official, but could be an ooh boo boo land. Yep. So the Warriors receive Gary Payton, maybe. Yep. Atlanta's 2026 second round pick and Atlanta's 2028 second round pick. The Atlanta Hawks receive Sadiq Bay. The Pistons receive James Wiseman, who they really wanted. 
And now this is where it gets crazy. Portland just robbed everybody here, um, sort of, if you can keep track of this. So they receive Kevin Knox, and then they get Atlanta, Brooklyn, Charlotte, 2023 second round pick, second most favorable to Portland via Atlanta. Atlanta 2024 second round pick, which is protected 56 to 60. Atlanta 2025 second round pick protected 41 to 60. Memphis 2026 second round pick protected 31 to 42 via Golden State and Golden State's 2028 second round pick. There's a lot going on there. Yeah, that was a lot. If that trade goes through, I like the addition of Peyton to the Golden State Warriors. Yep. I think they need some help, and I think that will be what helps Getting them. Sadiq Bay for the Hawks is pretty good, too. Sadiq the Knicks Bay. were interested in him, but just couldn't pull the trigger. Couldn't pull the trigger. Um, so, yeah, money thing for the Knicks? No, I just don't think they had the assets that the uh, uh, Pistons wanted. Yeah, so that so. was a super confusing trade if you went step by step. So we kind of tried to summarize that with who has what. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, again, all hindering now on whether or not Gary Payton uh, can pass a physical because speculations, rumors, he's been getting ejections. Yep. Um, Anyway, Hawks. The Hawks send Justin Holiday and Frank Kaminsky along with second-round picks in 2024 and 2025 to Houston for Garrison Matthews and Bruno Fernando. Houston's a hot mess right now. Yeah. Um, I I didn't write the grades down here, but this is nothing sexy for Houston. Uh, at all, I don't think. No. Nope. Um, here's another one that isn't necessarily a sexy trade. Eric Gordon was picked up by the Clippers along with three second-round picks. Two are in 2024 in exchange for Luke Kennard. Flip the page. <laughs> <laughs> and whoops, hold on, I lost it. Where'd I go? This is the problem with these upside-down notebooks. <laughs> but uh, hold on, let me find my spot. Luke Kennard. All right, so hold on. We got it here. In exchange for Luke Kennard, Luke Kennard's going to Memphis, and the Rockets receiving Danny Green, John Wall, and the rights to swap their 2023 first-round pick with the Clippers following OKC's 2023 swap with the Clippers. (laughs) So, again, these NBA trades, is starting to be like the NHL. It gets a little complicated, and you get multiple teams involved. Yeah. The Pelicans trade uh, Devontae Graham and four second-round picks to the Spurs for Josh Richardson. This is really nice for the Pelicans. This is going to give them another solid guy on the perimeter. And for the Pelicans, they don't need those draft picks. They're in win-now mode, especially Mm -hmm. with Zion. And again, for the Spurs getting into the rebuild, they just stacked up four second-round picks. So big deal for the Spurs. And last but not least, the Clippers acquire Mason Plumlee from Charlotte for Reggie Jackson and 2028 second round pick. The Hornets at the point when this was going through expected to waive Jackson. So that being said, we're going to take a quick break. I got to wet the whistle. L, anything you want to say about the trade deadline? Anything that surprises you? Anything that disappoints you before we take a break? Uh, so with that Reggie Jackson, I think he was actually waived. Was that he? was another thing that I think did come through the airwaves today. Um, I don't know if that's official, though, folks. Don't quote me on that, but I believe that was done. Um, as far as the trade deadline, I like Josh Hart to the Knicks. Jalen Brunson, I showed you his reaction, was stoked yeah. about getting Josh Hart. Scored 11 points last night. Made some big plays in the fourth quarter as the Knicks beat the Jazz. Solid defender. Too. Solid defender. Um, can shoot to three, I saw with his stats, was three of four. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a solid perimeter shooter. 
But other than that, nothing really. A lot of lot of confusing stuff with the trade picks, the draft, the draft picks, and all of that. But solid move for the Knicks, uh, Lakers, and mm. I think Phoenix. Um, yeah, getting Durant and the Mavs. The Mavs. Course, I, I think those are the four teams that the moves can propel them. And I agree with you. I, I do. I think it's the Mavs. I think it's the Lakers. I think it's the Suns. I like what the Knicks did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Golden State even trying to make a move there towards the end. It's going to be interesting to see when we come back from break. We're going to go over the NBA power rankings uh, just to kind of because the playoff push is getting close. You know, we're in February. All-star break is come and gone. Um, and truthfully, it's deceiving in the NBA because the all-star break is not a halfway point. You're, you're more like 60, 65 percent through the season. So there's definitely some teams, even on the outside looking in, like the Lakers, that made these moves to make a playoff push and keep the team relevant. And it could also be to the LeBron James factor. We'll get into that in a minute. This is the Talking Sportscast with Jay and Al. We will be right back. All right, sports fans, welcome back to the Talking Sportscast with Jay and Al. Uh, before the break, we had gone over the NBA trade deadline, tried to break that down as most simplistically as we could. It's a lot to digest. So Jump onto NBA.com or just Google NBA trade deadline moves, and you can see all the madness for yourself as you're trying to keep up with where everybody went. And uh, as we said before we you know, went to break, uh, the, the all-star break in the NBA is kind of deceiving. It's not really a true halfway point. Most of the teams are well over the halfway point as far as overall records. So I want to break down. The NBA power rankings, which these were as of last night, as of February 11th. And I did have a chance this week to definitely sit in my recliner and watch some basketball. Uh, You know, I watched the Celtics beat the uh, Sixers. I did get to watch, you know, the first game of Kyrie with the Mavericks. And, of course, I know you watch the Knicks just about every night they're on TV. So these are the NBA power rankings as of yesterday. Number one is your Boston Celtics at 40 and 16. And according to these NBA power rankings, they did not move from last week where they finished at number one in those rankings as well. Here come at number two, your Milwaukee Bucks, 39 and 17. They finished last week ranked three. The Denver Nuggets come in at number three, 39 and 18. They were two last week. So they Philadelphia, dropped. we had them number one just like, what, a week or two yep. ago? They're dropping a little bit, but according to this, they're number four, 36 and 19, and they finished last week ranked at number four. So they went from one to four, and then they stayed at four. Mm-hmm. So there they are. And again, I think they might have scooched up to number two if they got that W over Boston. I believe it was Wednesday night, but they did not. Number five, Cleveland Cavaliers, 37 and 22. They jumped up two spots from last week when they were ranked seven. Number six, Memphis, 34 and 21, went down a slot, slid down a spot. They were number five last week. Number seven is the Brooklyn Nets, slid down a spot. Mm -hmm. They were number six last week. They come in at 33 and 23, and it's a completely different looking Brooklyn Nets now. Number eight, Sacramento just handed Dallas their first loss with Kyrie last night. They come in at 32 and 24. They were ranked eight last week. They're ranked eight again. My dark horse out of the East, the Miami Heat, 32 and 25, ranked number nine this week. They were number nine last week. My Dallas Mavericks, they haven't moved, 31 and 27, ranking 10 in the NBA power rankings. They finished last week at 10. This is where it gets interesting now as we get into this back half. Mm -hmm. You're going to start to see the teams that maybe these 
trades make a big difference. So Phoenix comes in 31 and 27. Hmm? I feel like they'll skyrocket with Durant. If he's a healthy Kevin Durant and he's ready to put his game face on, this team concerns me. Um, You know, they come in 31 and 27, so they're over 500. They are ranked number 11 in the power rankings now. They shot up five spots over last week when they were number 16. they got to go through the whole list, but I think that might be the biggest improvement week over week. Number 12, your New York Knicks, 31 and 27, slid back a spot. Maybe that's not fair, but they did just come off a loss. Uh, They were ranked 11 at the end of last week. Number 13, the L.A. Clippers, 31 and 28. They've gone down a spot. They were 12 at the end of last week. Minnesota Timberwolves, 31 and 29, ranked number 14. They slid down a spot. They were 13 last week. Golden State Warriors coming in 28 and 28. The fact that they are 500 just blows my mind, um, especially, but they've had a lot of injuries to deal with. Um, They moved up two spots, ranked 15 this week. They were 17 last week. We'll see what they can do. Uh, The New Orleans Pelicans, number 16, 29 and 28. They moved up two spots. They were 18 last week. They made some moves. They're trying to make their playoff push. Atlanta Hawks, this team surprises me. I mean, this is a team that was playing for a title not too long ago. They're number 17 in the power rankings, 29 and 28, just barely over 500, slid back two spots from last week when they were number 15. Utah Jazz, they slid back. They're number 18 this week, 28 and 30. They are below 500. They slid back four spots. They were 14 last week. Number 19, Oklahoma City, 27 and 28. They actually moved up three spots. They were ranked number 22 last week. Portland Trailblazers, we know they made some noise in the in the trade deadline era there. Uh, they are 27 and 29. They actually slid back a spot, ranked 20 this week. They were 19 last week. And this is where it starts to get interesting. We're getting into the bottom 10, but some of these teams are still very much alive to make a playoff push. And when I say the name, you're going to know who it is. So at number 21, we've got Washington, 26 and 29. They were 20 last week, so they did slide back one. Number 22, the Bulls, they're coming in at 26 and 30. They slid up a spot, I should say. They were 23 last week. Toronto, Toronto made some trades. They're not necessarily out of it at 26 and 31. They come in ranked number 23 in the power rankings. They jumped up two spots over 25 that they were last week. Now here come the L.A. Lakers, ranked number 24. They were 21 last week. They slid down three spots. They're 26 and 31, but they're only three games, three and a half games out of that final playoff spot. They made a lot of moves. And they got some time. They got got time. time. And you know what? There's a LeBron James factor. Yeah. That's the reason they're still very much alive. If LeBron James isn't on the roster, we might not be talking about him. Number 25, Indiana Pacers are coming in at 25 and 31. They slid back a spot from their 24 ranking last week. The Orlando Magic stay locked in at number 26. They're 23 and 34. They were 26 last week. 27, Detroit Pistons. This is where it gets really bad. These teams are done, done, and I mean it. Um, 27 is the Pistons, 15 and 42. They actually nudged up three spots, but it's not saying much. Um, They were 30 last week. Number 28, the Charlotte Hornets. They're 15 and 43. They went back a spot. They were 27. Michael Jordan has to be going nuts, but again, they're going to be in rebuild mode. San Antonio Spurs. 14 and 43, number 29 in the NBA power rankings, dropped back a spot from the 28th ranking last week. Uh, however, they made a lot of moves at the trade deadline that indicates that they have acknowledged, hey, 
we're in a rebuilding phase and it's time to get started. So they have got a ton, a ton of draft picks. And rounding out the NBA, the abysmal Houston Rockets, 13 wins, 43 losses. They are number 30 in those power rankings, dropping back a spot from the number 29 last week. So, Al, we went over the trade deadline. Sure did. We went over the power rankings. Mm -hmm. I want the GOAT debate to continue because another big thing in the NBA happened this week, earlier in this week, and we spoke in the podcast last week that LeBron was on pace to do that on Thursday. Yeah, and he ended up doing it that night. He did it on Tuesday. Yep. He did it on Tuesday. He passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. And then, yeah, so – People began to voice their opinions. You and I, we broke down the GOAT debate a little bit last week. I still had Michael Jordan. Me too. We saw some people come on talk shows today. I can't remember the gentleman's name, but made a comment that basically Jordan and Kobe couldn't even tie LeBron's shoes. Shaquille O'Neal said, can I walk off the set now? (laughs) That was kind of funny. I can't remember who they were talking to. I don't know when that was. It was on Get Up, wasn't it? I think it was Get Up when Max Kellerman was there with uh, Molly Karam Rose and and I forget who the basketball player was that made the point, but I got some points that I would like to make on Get this em. real quick if you don't Go, mind. Do it. So my philosophy on the GOAT debate is the record in the NBA Finals. Uh, I'm sorry, Michael Jordan is 6-0, and has not lost a championship in any level that he's played. He is undefeated in championship series. 6-0 and in the Finals, LeBron James is 4-6. and Case closed. Well, I like I like what you did there. So what I what I did is I tried to dive a little bit further because when you're talking individual player statistics, it gets a little bit tougher because you know Jordan played 15 seasons, mm-hmm. Kobe played 20, LeBron's in his 20th now, and as I say, LeBron has I don't see LeBron stopping. So to your point, I did some research this morning and kind of broke down regular season records playoff winning percentage, and then finals records. So Jordan, in his 15 seasons, had an overall team, this is for the team, regular season win-loss record of 706, 706 wins, 366 losses. That is a .659, so you could say a 66% winning percentage. When he was just with Chicago, because his last two years were with the then Washington Wizards, uh, with Chicago, he was 639 wins, 291 losses for a .687 winning percentage. So you say 69%. Jordan's winning percentage in the playoffs, .665. So you could say 67%. Here's the real kicker, 24-11 and 11 in the NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. And to your point, 6-0. and 0. Let's skip LeBron for a minute. Let's talk Kobe. Kobe in his 20 seasons, 836 wins. Again, he played them all with the Lakers. 510 losses, a 62.1% winning percentage. So 62% for uh, Kobe. So he's got a lower winning percentage in the regular season than Jordan. Mm -hmm. And you're going to find out in a few minutes, LeBron as well. Playoff winning percentage, 61.4. He was 23 and 14 in the finals. And as we talked about last week, Kobe had a, a record of five wins and two losses in the NBA Finals. I was going to ask you what his so record loss record was. in seven trips, he won five. Yep. Okay. Three and then a two P. You just mentioned LeBron. He's been to the Finals ten times. He's won four, so he's four and six in the Finals. You mentioned Michael Jordan, six and zero oh in the NBA Finals. LeBron James, hey, listen, he's no slouch. Twenty seasons in now, he has nine hundred and fifteen wins 
495 losses. That is a winning percentage of 0.649, so you could say 65. So Jordan, 1% better. LeBron's played in more games. Fine. Playoff winning percentage of 0.654, so 65% in the playoffs. Jordan, if you're rounding up with 67, so again, they are close. But this is the kick in the nuts for LeBron. Yeah, I was about 22, to say that. 22 wins. 33 losses in the NBA Finals. So when you're talking GOAT, Jordan and Kobe with winning records in the NBA Finals. LeBron James does not have More a winning record. Too. And he's got less championships right yep. now. Um, he played in more, for mm -hmm. sure. Um, but, it, again, that always going to have that debate with Jordan if he doesn't go and play baseball. What does that eight-year run in Chicago look, look like? like yep. Are we talking about an eight-peat? And not talking about two three peats with a gap year with a two year gap in the middle, the debate rolls on. Yes, <laughs> and this is my opinion on that. And I mentioned this last week on the show that what if Michael Jordan never went to play baseball? I think they win eight in a row, man, and then that puts the goat debate to sleep. If you're eight and zero oh in the finals, you're the greatest of all time, in my opinion, because you never lost a big series. Basically, at that point, you won eight finals. But in this case, he only won six because of the baseball. We're just talking hypothetically if he stayed in basketball and won those whatever happens those two years, is it eight? Jordan is a murderer in championships. He is. He's, He's a never lost but never lost a championship at any level. And that includes Olympic gold medals. And again, mm -hmm. that dream team was disgusting. Yeah. He won his only championship appearance in college. Yep, UNC. Yep. And I believe one or two state titles in high school. Yeah, he never lost um, a big series. Yeah, he doesn't lose when there's a giant trophy involved. So it's really hard to overlook that. It's also, we're in this era now where teams try to put together super teams, and we've heard big three get kicked around. LeBron got accused of it when he went to Miami, and it was himself. It was Dwayne Wade. It was Chris Bosh. And don't forget, Ray Allen was coming off the freaking yep. bench. Shooting threes like nobody's business. Bailed his ass out in the one final, or so they say. I mean, teams that that's kind of the new era of the NBA, trying to have two, three superstars on your starting five, the big threes. Well, you didn't have that back then. No, you didn't have that. Jordan was winning titles with guys like Bill Paxton, Luke Longley, Bill Cartwright, Steve, Horace Kerr. Grant, Steve Kerr. Did Kerr make some big shots? Oh, sure did. Sure he did. Yeah. But you could say the same thing about Robert Ory with the Lakers. Oh, he, he made some shots. Yeah. Big, big shot, Bob. You know, they used to call him. So, and yeah, he was breaking some hearts. If you needed a game winner, it, it's funny. On teams that had Kobe and Shaq, it's like, where's Big Shot Rob, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but who got you there? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, Jordan had Pippen. Sure he did. But, and then Ku coach later and Rodman. But LeBron, they've always tried to put a ton of talent around him. Now, but when we took the break, yeah, we are talking about the trade deadline. LeBron put out a tweet, maybe it's me. Yeah, maybe it's me. Maybe no one wants to play. He didn't say it in those words. He said, maybe it's me, but maybe maybe people don't feel good playing with LeBron. I don't know. Like stars. I'm talking other superstars like Kyrie, even though he did it in Cleveland, to your they point. They did it in Cleveland. They won a championship in Cleveland. Durant won it in Golden State with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Mm -hmm. Why that broke up, I have no idea, because um, you could be looking at a 3 P or a 4 P for them. 
if they stay together. Still to me, that, that was the most special season for LeBron to go back to Cleveland and get that title. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's my favorite LeBron moment. Um, you know, and, and again, if you don't just throw LeBron on the mountaintop as the GOAT, you get dubbed a LeBron James hater, and I, I really don't think that's fair. I don't hate either of these three guys that we're freaking talking about here. No. Um, and I've I've watched all three's sure magnificent yep. careers. Um, you know, Michael Jordan was my introduction to basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm 11 years old when the Dream Team was out there in 1992, beating the poop out of everybody. Um, but at the same time, you know, Nani and Uncle Butch used to have the basketball on all the time, and we're just a basketball house. Yeah. So I was, you know, I remember seeing the late career point parts of their career, I should say, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. Um, mm-hmm. The rivalries in the NBA back in the 80s and 90s were just absolutely incredible. The intensity on both ends of the floor, offense and defense. Again, we talked about some rules evolution that makes the game a little bit softer and perhaps a little more offensive swaying. Um, but this this debate's going to drive on. In the oh, long, it's continue. In the longer yeah. LeBron plays. Um, it's going to continue on as long as he's playing still. He's got a shot. And I think, if, if I'm correct here, he's got 915 regular season wins. He has a chance to get to 1,000. He's got a possibly. chance to get to 1,000. I mean, that is that is freaking remarkable. So, you know, and that's the reason why I pulled the winning percentages this morning because the only real knock on LeBron is the record in the finals. If you look at the playoff winning percentage, he's better than Kobe. He's not better than Michael, but he's better than Kobe. And he's right behind Michael. I mean, we're talking 1%. Yeah, if you had to rank those, though, based on the finals numbers, to me, it would go Jordan, Kobe, LeBron. Well, the other thing with Jordan, too, is just how full his cabinet is with those individual accolades. Like we talked about. MVPs, 10-time scoring champion, 9-time first team all defense. I mean, LeBron and Kobe, to, to both their credits. They don't have that to their resume. Not as many as they don't have Michael all Jordan. those extra hardwares that Michael Jordan had. And you know, you could always say who was the trailblazer for the kids that we see play now. Um, LeBron is certainly influencing the younger generation of ballers, but Jordan, you can argue, paved the way for both Kobe and LeBron. I mean, yeah. these were the guys. This was the guy, and. Uh, you know, Kobe's work ethic second to no one. But, I mean, dude, this this debate will just continue to rage on. And uh, if the Lakers, let's play devil's advocate, because, again, they're on the outside looking in right now. Mm-hmm. They made a lot of moves. Let's say they come back, make the playoffs, make a run, get to that finals. That would be his 11th and his, his ninth in a row, I believe. Yeah, ninth, ninth trip in a row. Yeah, which is pretty. No, no, he didn't go. He didn't go the other year because it was the Suns and Hawks. So I'll shut up. Um, yeah, he didn't go last year because they didn't go I don't last think year. they made the playoffs last year. So, but if he gets to this one, it would be nine out of ten. Yeah, nine out of ten. Nine yeah. out of ten. So I mean, again, he keeps the other two guys. Rest, God rest in peace, Kobe and Jordan is obviously you know the owner of the Charlotte Hornets. They're not playing anymore. So LeBron is continuing to pad his resume. Yep. Is his scoring record ever going to get touched? <laughs> you got you got to think cuz if he plays three more years, I don't think so. 
because if he averages about 30 points a game. I think he's going over 40. Over 45 to 50 games a year because you know he's probably going to rest. He's going to rest. So you got to think you take away 32 games there a year if he plays to 50. Yeah. Um, That's that's a lot of points per game. So mm-hmm. I would say that record is probably reaching about 42, 43,000. I definitely have it over 40. Yeah. Um, you know, again, to your point, depending on how healthy he could stay, how many games – you know, he will actually play in because mm-hmm. he does rest. I mean, there's just nights he's off. He rests last night. His ankle. Right. Yep. The other night. Yep. He's not He's not broken, but he's resting. Because, um, you know, and again, I, I give credit where credit's due. The NBA schedule is grueling. Yeah, there's some um, back-to-backs. There's some back-to-backs. Sometimes you have three, four games in a week. Yeah, imagine if they did back-to-back-to-back. Um, you know, and I'm not trying to – I'm not trying to – soften it and i'm not trying to put a a cushion under these guys because again the era of basketball that i was introduced to guys didn't really take nights off to rest you taped it up you put some ice on it now i'm not calling anybody a sissy um this is the era that they're in so you know when in rome do as the romans do so if you work for one of those teams that has you know massage therapists physical trainers several of them, psychotherapists, the cryogenetic tank that you could lay in, what are you going to do? There there was something that Kobe said that I happened to read. He said that someone asked him, would you ever take nights off to rest? He's like, no, because there is a kid's kid out there whose parents spent the money on a ticket to come see me. Right. Which could be a one-in-the-lifetime opportunity. Yeah. So I want to be able to play for the kids that yeah. are coming to watch me. If I'm hurting, I'm going to try. And if I can play, I'm going to play. Yeah. Said. Basically paraphrasing, but he right. said, no, if I, if I have the ability to play, I would never rest because I know there's people out there that spend their hard earned money to come, come see me. me. Yeah. 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 No, no, Kobe had a, he was very in tune with that. And I give him a lot of credit for that. I mean, athletes get criticized to being selfish and overpaid all the time. Um, to me, a guy like Kobe was worth every penny, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just from that work ethic and, you know, one of those guys that, you know, I truly miss Kobe as a person and a player, but I'm, I'm one of those guys that was really looking forward to his second act in life and what he was going to do with the kids and the way, yeah. And the way he was promoting the ladies game and just, the knowledge that he was willing to give. And I just, it, the world is hurting with Kobe Bryant not being in it anymore. Yeah. Not just the NBA world, but the youth world and all the plans that he had. And it's just a damn shame. We'll never see him come to fruition. No. Nope. Um, you know, that was a very sad day uh, for me as a sports fan. We I were, think I texted you when I got the news. I we was were, like, yeah. dude, Kobe just died. We were driving back from Canada um ironically that morning <clears throat> and my wife saw it come through the phone i was driving <laughs> excuse me i'm choking on myself mm-hmm. here and she's like uh oh it's my okay, man it's emotional she's like oh my god <laughs> kobe bryant died and you know my initial reaction is like come on that's got to be a hoax look that you know look it up and she's like no there's all kinds of articles coming out like helicopter crash kobe kobe bryant died and it's like mm. what the hell and yeah. uh just Gone too soon, for sure. And uh, I was coming back from Horizon Fun Effects. 
Yeah, yeah. I was coming back from Canada and you were roller skating. Yeah. In bell bottoms, folks. Picture that. <laughs> Albert Bell was doing it. He doesn't even get rollerblades. He gets the old white I get skates. the four wheels. He gets the four wheels <laughs> and he does the bebop and the, he does a little spin and a, a little pirouette. dancing. There's a little yeah. dance in there uh, for you. But, but yeah, it was yeah, tragic. Very tragic. So, uh, again, let's talk about the Lakers real quick. Do you think they can make the playoffs? If these trades that they made end up panning out and they gel as a unit, I think they could. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a lot of time and patience with LeBron, though. But you're going to have to play. You can't you can't rest if you want to try to make a playoff run. That's you don't have thing. enough pieces there, really, except Davis. And he's hurt sometimes, yeah. you know, and so that's the challenge. Like, you've got some studs because – I remember New Orleans Pelicans, Anthony Davis, and it yeah. was just like, holy Dude crap. Dude scoring 30 points a game. And could shoot, you yeah. know, from everywhere. So, but again, it, you got to be able to stay healthy. And a lot of these guys, you know, they're sustaining lower body injuries, knees, ankles, quads, you know, name it. And so in basketball, if you don't have your, if you don't have it going on below the waist, it could be a really tough game to play. Yeah. Um, so, you know, again, I'm never out here criticizing anybody's toughness. I mean, we talked about the toughness of Patrick Mahomes in the first segment. I mean, football players are just built a little different. You have a much shorter season. You have all week to kind of prepare for the game. And, you know, a guy like Mahomes, he's not going to sit out. He's going to take a shot. He's going to put some tape on it, take some aspirin, ice it, do his PT throughout the week and do everything in his power to get there because you've got one game. Every mm-hmm. seven days, it's a different animal. Just like baseball, baseball is grueling as all hell. I mean, a hundred like fourteen days in a row, fourteen days, days in a row. row yeah. Sometimes before you get an off day, yeah. And you know, while it might not be the most, at least when you're watching the game, it doesn't look like the most physical demanding. I mean, you're putting your body through it every day. Time zone changes, this and that. Mm-hmm. Um, so in some cases, like baseball, can be very demanding as well. And guys get little nagging injuries that they've got to deal with, and it's a different animal. You've got a long season, and so you might sit out a game that you would typically play in. I mean, you're not going to see a guy like Kale Ripken anymore, I don't no. think. I, I don't think you're going to see it. Iron um, Man basically but, played through everything. But back to the, back to the scoring record yep. of LeBron James before we take a break and then come into our third and final segment recapping some NLL action from the weekend because um, we told you guys we're going to give you a, a bigger taste of lacrosse, and the game is definitely growing, and all the games can be seen on ESPN Plus now. Um, you know, that scoring record, that's going to be tough for anybody to take out. I mean, they said it about they said it about Jabbar. And but he only had one three-pointer. I saw that stat. His that's whole crazy. career. He scored 38,887 points with only one three-pointer. That's crazy, but continue. So. Dif- differences being is domination in the paint. And Jabbar could shoot some free throws. Yep. And, you know, LeBron so, you know, <laughs> yeah, LeBron, ironically, not the greatest free throw shooter, given his position and his skill sets, you would expect him to be a better, better at the line, but not always the case. I mean, there's some guys that just, that not everybody's a hack-a-shack, um, no. but not everybody's Curry either. Um, and John Stockton back in the day would shoot like 92% at the line. Um, crazy. I don't think it's ever going to get touched. You would have to have somebody because you got to remember LeBron's story. Like he came in at 18, and other guys have done that, but not even Kobe had the pressure 
and the instant expectations that LeBron had. Yeah, I got something on Kobe real quick. Give it to us. So Amon Shumper was guarding him one time at the Garden, <laughs> um, and Kobe Bryant puts his hand out like this and yeah. says, good three quarters. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, LeBron Shumper went on and said that. No, he, he said you had a good game. Yeah, good game. You had a good game <laughs> through three quarters. Because he was then, shutting them out. Yeah, and then all of a sudden he did like a reverse dunk, a 35-foot three-pointer, and what the is the on? The time, then Tony calls a timeout, and Amon Shumper was like, I don't know what, you, I don't know what he's on. <laughs> what do you, uh, yeah, what do you I, want I, me to do? I saw that video. He's like, my dude, what are you on? And then he threw that one off the glass yeah. to himself and dunked that it. Was, yeah, that was the one he was talking about. And that I, was I like, just had to put that point that out That was there. like three freaking possessions in he a row. He talked intelligent trash, too, someone said. like yeah. he, Someone fouled somebody, and he's like, how many fouls do you got? Okay. I forgot who said it, but he fouled somebody, and then he would like talk smack about him. Okay, like how many how many fouls he got left? He's like, oh, because he like made the player rethink his strategy of fouling. Yeah, so now he softened up. Yeah, yeah. So now he just he was a man on the court. I love Kobe Bryant. I love cool. Michael Jordan, but I love watching LeBron yeah, too. LeBron's I, good. I think he gets a lot of criticism that you know might be unnecessary, and you could say some of it's his own fault. I mean. Jordan didn't live in the Twitter era, so we we it's hard to speculate that Jordan wouldn't have popped off at his mouth on the Twitter. No. And Kobe didn't really have that either in the bulk of his playing career. But Kobe spoke seven different languages fluently. That's I don't crazy. think I don't think Kobe's screwing up on social media. I just don't. No. I don't see it happening. Dude was intelligent beyond all belief. Super smart. Super smart. We're gonna take a break, folks. We appreciate you hanging out with us, the Talking Sportscast with Jay and Al. Going to come back and recap a very exciting weekend in the National Lacrosse League, uh, league and some big revenge for our Rochester Nighthawks last night as the Ooh. old regime came to the barn and we punched them in the mouth. Absolutely. You're listening to the Talking Sportscast with Jay and Al, and we'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Talking Sportscast with Jay and Al. Been promising you guys since the inception of the show that we're really going to start to dive into the National Lacrosse League, um, arguably the fastest growing game in North of sport, I should say, fastest growing sport in North America right now. Week after week seems to be gaining popularity. Um, a nice partnership with ESPN Plus through Hulu puts basically every National Lacrosse League game on TV. So if you have the Hulu with the sports package, Guess what, big boy, big girl? You have access to the National Lacrosse League. And I think uh, lead singer of Poison put it the best because the Las Vegas Desert Dogs are an expansion team. Oh, part owners, Steve Nash and the Wayne Gretzky. Yep. Okay. But Vegas, Vegas is the place that brings in faces, right? So you got guys like Brett Michaels, lead singer of Poison, who basically compared the National Lacrosse League, the sport of indoor box lacrosse, it said it's basically like hockey, MMA, and a rock and roll concert had a baby. Mm -hmm. And that's what he kind of – now, the MMA, don't get carried away. It's not quite as like hockey. You do get some fisticuffs, same rules kind of apply, drop gloves, agree to the fight, take your helmet off, and square off just like mm -hmm. you would in hockey. And then the referees – First do, one that goes down, they stop As soon it. as you go yeah. down, it's over. Um, so imagine a lacrosse fight just like a hockey fight. Um, the league consists of two conferences, the East Coast Conference and the West Coast Conference. East has a few more teams, um, but also a lot of this shit started in the East. So 
We're season ticket holders to the Rochester Nighthawks. My ticket, uh, my season tickets are about to grow by two more. So I'll be holding four seats next year. With any luck, I'll take your two. Yep. Since you, uh, yeah, I'm not renewing next year just because of plans. He's got a marriage coming and I don't know, maybe make some people or something. Who knows? (laughs) But so Al's going to be busy, uh, but that doesn't mean he won't occasionally come to a single game. Number one. And number two, you're going to be watching on the ESPN yeah. Plus. And I'm sure every once in a while you'll still find yourself sitting next to me. You need a night out. Mm-hmm. So uh, we want to wrap up over the weekend. We want to go over the scores from this weekend in the NLL. We want to go over the standings. And then, of course, we're homers. We're Rochester Nighthawks people. And we're going to dive into everything Nighthawk. We're going to tell you the story. And we're going to tell you why last night's game was not only pivotal, but personal. So let's recap the weekend. It kicks off Friday night as the league typically does. Uh, Toronto 11 to 10 over Georgia and Calgary 12 to 6 over Saskatchewan. You know Saskatoon? That's them. (laughs) The Saskatchewan Rush. Typically a good club, but struggling a little bit right now. Saturday night, of course, brings the heat. There was four games on the docket. Our Rochester Nighthawks beating the Halifax Thunderbirds 16 to 14. The New York Riptide beating Albany 14 to 12. Panthers City Lacrosse Club out of Fort Worth, Texas, with a 14 to 13 victory over the Vancouver Warriors. And Calgary got the double up this weekend. Talking about back-to-back games, and in the game of lacrosse, back-to-back is not a bad thing. You usually come into that second game hot, hot, especially if you won the Friday night or the Saturday night before. And Calgary beat the defending champion Colorado Mammoth 13-9. to So, whew, yep. last night was very exciting for us. It was a big deal for the Rochester Nighthawks because, again, we are considered an expansion team. We'll get into that in a minute. I'd Albert just, ah, oh, he just cringed. He, like, it's, <laughs> it's a pain in the ass. So let's go over the standings, yep. east and west, and then let's tell you the story of the Rochester Nighthawks and why, again, we said last night wasn't just pivotal. It was freaking personal, baby. Mm -hmm. So in the East, we have a three-way tie for first place right now. All three teams are rocking a 7-2 and record. Number one right now, the Buffalo Bandits at 7-2. and One of their two losses to the Rochester Nighthawks. Number two, the Rochester Nighthawks also at 7-2. and Guess what? One of Rochester's two losses to the Buffalo Bandits. So they have split the season series one apiece, and they do not play each other again for the rest of the regular season. And then the third team in that equation, the Toronto Rock, with a record of 7-2. and two. One of those two losses to our Rochester Nighthawks. They meet again March 4th in Hamilton, Ontario. And your boy will be there. There you go. With my guy, Jay Get Gordon it. and Allison Gordon <laughs> and half the freaking Canadian contingency. We're going with 13 of us. How's that for growing the game, baby? Get some. <laughs> Those Halifax Thunderbirds. You sons of bitches. Yep. Four wins and five losses. Also split the season series with the Rochester Nighthawks, but we got our sweet, sweet, sweet revenge. A dish best served cold last night. Folks, it's personal. We'll get into it. Philadelphia Wings, they come in at three and four. One of the original franchises, too, I'd like to point out, along with the Buffalo Bandits, and that goes all the way back before the NLL was actually the NLL. You've got the Albany Firewolves at two and five, the New York Riptide at two and six. They've got a really nice player in Jeff Teat, and they are rebuilding, and they, I believe, have won the last two games. And then the big shock in the East, 
0-6 Georgia Swarm, mm. a team that features, if you're a lacrosse fan, Lyle Thompson. This is definitely a shock, a surprise, a disappointment. Yeah, It's all of the above. Now, they play an 18-game season, so they've still got 12 to go. If Georgia can somehow catch fire, win 10 out of 12, you never know. They could be right in the playoff hunt. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily over for any of Absolutely those teams. Not. Absolutely not. Especially in lacrosse. Lacrosse is crazy. It's fast-paced. It can be high-scoring. What I've noticed is goalkeeping and defense has gotten better over the years. Yep. I mean, these games used to sometimes have scores in the 20s, each team. Um, and that's starting to become more and more rare. Like Rochester putting up 16. That's the highest scoring total of the week. The Rock putting up 22 last Rock week. Rock put up 22 last week against the Riptide, so I stand corrected. They have not won two in a row. I apologize. Standings in the West, one of the most fun teams. They're actually going to do almost a version of the Winter Classic on March 4th. you got the San Diego Seals coming in at 6-1, and one, and what they're going to do is they're going to play a box lacrosse game. Just imagine the NHL Winter Classic, but they're going to do it in an outdoor venue. I think that's going to be super cool. Great for the game. I hope they get a good draw on that. I really do. Calgary Roughnecks, number two in the West at six and three. The Saskatchewan Rush, number three at four and three. Panther City Lacrosse Club, they dropped back. They're five and four. Hold on. Let me look that up, make sure I didn't write that down wrong. Let me go back to this real quick. But uh, I think, let me go back here. just want to make sure I quoted that correctly. Bear with me a second. My computer's working. Yeah, Panther City is 5-4, and four, but they are ranked behind Saskatchewan. So I just wanted to make sure I didn't do a typo there on you folks. The Colorado Mammoth, they are the defending NLL champions, and they are struggling. They are 4-4. Four and four. The Las Vegas Desert Dogs, again, that new expansion team out west. Part owners are Wayne Gretzky and Steve Nash. They are 2-5. and five. They're starting to put together some wins, which is good. And the Vancouver Warriors rounding out the West with an abysmal one and eight. They just don't look good. And uh, as a lacrosse fan, L, I try to get on as often as I can, watch the games, mm-hmm. support support the league, of course, give them the ratings on the ESPN Plus. And just a couple weeks ago, they had their highest audience in the history of what they've got here. So mm-hmm. the game is growing. Last night's crowd. Really, really good. The last two Rochester Nighthawks home games, we've had a good draw. Pretty packed, yeah. Pretty packed. And the cool thing about it, <clears throat> a couple weeks ago, when we played against Buffalo, we're only 90 minutes uh, down the I-90 from each other. So you will see a lot of Bandits fans also coming to Rochester and vice versa. Rochester fans, they'll make the drive to Buffalo. This yep. was Halifax. They're 13 hours up north in Canada. Not a lot of Halifax Thunderbird fans in the crowd last night. That was mostly Rochester, yeah. and it was great to see all the kids with their youth lacrosse program stuff on, whether it was jerseys, T-shirts, pennies. Again, the game is growing, marketing the kids, which I think is excellent, and probably one of the more fan-friendly leagues that you ever can have because even the Nighthawks had an after-party last night yep. at the TC Hooligans out in Webster. Anyone that wanted to go can go. You could drink a beer with the boys. You could talk lacrosse. We went a couple weeks ago when it was right across from the stadium at the old exchange there. Or I think it's still called the exchange. Excuse me. And uh, my son got to have, like, conversations with several of the players. He got to talk with Brad Gillies. He got to talk with Rylan Hartley. He got to talk to Dawson. He's got pictures with Rylan Reese. I mean, and again, these guys are super-duper approachable. Let's tell the story. 
Yes, let's tell the let's story. Tell the story. Uh, cringeworthy, <clears throat> folks. So the Halifax Thunderbirds. They used to be the Rochester Nighthawks. Yes. If you're an NFL football fan, I want you to think of the old Cleveland Browns. Close your eyes for a minute and just imagine that you are a ravenous fan. Imagine that you've won titles. Imagine that you've had arguably one of the greatest players to ever do it in John Grant Jr. Kurt Styers, when he took the team over, made a trade that included the aforementioned John Grant Jr., now, John Grant Jr. hoisted two titles in his time in Rochester, and yep. he was pretty much league MVP and leading the league and scoring. Just an incredible, incredible player. He could drag two, three guys on his back, score between his legs, behind the back, and an absolute assassin. So Kurt Styers comes in, buys the Rochester Nighthawks, trades the superstar away right away. Holy crap. Mm. Well, Styers was an evil genius. He put a winning product on the field, and he gave us a back-to-back-to-back champion run. Never been done in the National Cross League before. It is the first-ever three-peat in the sport mm, from 2012 to 2014. And, yes, I was too, and they were some of the most incredible atmospheres I had ever been in. And every year, Styers gave us a team that could compete, make the playoffs, and have a legitimate shot at a title. All of a sudden, Styers wants to up and move to Halifax. And the league said, okay, you can do that. And he took everything. He took the history. He took the original logo and jersey color scheme, even though he elected not to keep that. Halifax definitely changed. They've got their own thing over there. All our championship banners, gone. It's all gone. It all went to Halifax. I think the only thing that we still have is the John Grant Jr. banner. And that's it. Mm. So, as a passionate season ticket holder, Uncle Mike got me involved, brought me to my first game when I was like 13. He's been in that seat since day zero. You think about just how disappointing it is to basically have something you love just ripped away. Mm -hmm. But then the NLL stepped in and said, Rochester is a great city for lacrosse. Rochester has to have a team and enter the new regime. Yep. Our general manager, Dan Carey, has done an incredible job. So Over the last couple of years, yeah, absolutely. This man. is yep. technically year three. Yep. The first year was the COVID year, so that got cut short. I don't even remember the Nighthawks record, but I think they won one game. I think they were like one and five, one and six before the season got scrapped. Definitely had some growing pains. Again, the roster, everything gone. All go to Halifax. There were some players that, you know, made moves like one of the greatest goaltenders ever, Matt Vince. He decided, nope, he's playing in bandit land right now. He's a Buffalo bandit, and he's still at 40 years of age, is standing on his head. The Bandits, of course, are 7-2. and two. The record indicates that. Mm -hmm. And the goalies don't take nights off. No. So, we've got our new Rochester Nighthawks. Last year was their first full season. Crowd was very lackadaisical. Yeah. They went 4-14. Four and 14. Our, our big stud, our keeper, Rylan Hartley, got a concussion early in the year. It was like week three or week four. Got cleared, goes to come back. 
and takes a ball right off the bean in freaking warm-ups, gets a second concussion, and then they don't play with that. Um, no, they saw him. him out. Yeah, they sat him out the rest of the season because they, they really believe in this kid. And as a fan, I believe in this kid. Uh, he's, Especially what I've seen this year, yeah. He's a, he's a phenomenal goalie. We call him Gumby. I mean, seriously, you could tell he's played a little hockey in his life. Not a lot of goalies are making butterfly saves like this kid is. And he's young, and he's hungry, and he's happy to be here. So last year, of course, 4-14, four and 14, not very good. Awful, Crowds yeah. were pathetic. I'm talking 2,500 people, if we were lucky, in an arena that holds 12,000. And you could hear... You can hear if somebody dropped their beer and it rolled down the stairs. It was just, it there, was, there was no electricity nope. in, in the environment. Well, flash forward to this year. Nighthawks start and they win. And they win again. And they win again. Mm -hmm. And they win again. Start 6-0. and Started out 6-0. and uh, And people started to get excited. I, I just remember that vibe at the old stock when we went to the party, the after party. And at that time, they were 3-0. and So that was a third consecutive win on the season. Yep. Everybody talked about this gauntlet that the Nighthawks were going to go through uh, when they were actually, yeah, when they were 6-0 and because they had to play the Bandits twice and they had to play Halifax twice in a four-game stretch. So this is when they were 5-0. and Yeah, 5-0. and 5-0, yeah. and and everybody talks about this gauntlet. Beat the Bandits. All the naysayers were saying that the Nighthawks were going to go 0-4 over this stretch of four games. They were going to get swept by the Bandits and they were going to get swept by Halifax they actually went two and two uh, with the home teams winning each matchup respectively. So home field advantage plays a big part in the National Lacrosse League. Last night's win, fantastic. 16 to 14 final score. A little disappointed with the last four or five minutes of the yeah, game because it, it was 16 to nine. Yep. And so, you know, they started coming back a little bit. But I want to say this because there's a lot of lacrosse fans out there. You get really excited for that Memorial Day weekend when the NCAAs are really ramping up and you're watching those final fours. And so this is the mecca for those players. Not to take anything away from the PLL, I think Paul Rabel's done a great job helping grow and promote the outdoor game and keep an outdoor professional league available for the players that want to choose to do this. But I think from a fan standpoint, and I don't want to speak for everybody, but I just think from a fan standpoint, a, a marketing standpoint, a revenue standpoint, I think the NLL is where it's at. So as this podcast evolves, you're going to learn a lot more about our Rochester Nighthawks. We are going to cover the league, Al, yep. but we're going to really, really talk about the Nighthawks. And we had a bunch of players last night that just brought their A game. Who really stood out to you last night? For our Nighthawks. I'm going to be honest with you. I think Connor Fields has been a blessing. A beast. Um, I think he was a solid. It was a trade, right? It wasn't a free agent signing. It was a trade. It was a It was a trade in, with the Buffalo Bandits. Yep. And uh, a little history on Connor Fields. My brother-in-law knows him well. They all played at Albany together. So just to kind of give you that pipeline. Oh, uh, okay. Um, the folks that I was sitting by, that were sitting behind me last night just got to talking asking if we were all related mm -hmm. or how do we all know each other? This yeah. is a big group you're bringing here. And I go, that's my uncle. That's my other uncle. That's my brother. You know, <laughs> that's my wife. These are my kids, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and so we just got to talking and they started talking about their son who played at U Albany with Connor Fields. And I was like, really? What year? Because he played with Thompson. 
And like, yeah. And I was like, my brother-in-law was there. Said his name. And they were like, oh, my God. The the mom, the wife yeah. works with him. Yeah, that's <laughs> so crazy. Small world, man. Uh, but to your point, go ahead. Make it sexy. Talk about Connor Fields. Connor Fields, I think the dude just is a field general on the on the field. I mean, he gets open shots that no other players can get. He moves without the ball. He's constantly looking for the ball. I think he's solid. He was a blessing, like I said. Four goals, mm-hmm. um, four assists, and also had eight points for the night. Eight points for the night. Um, so the dude's a beast. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, the other person that stood on their head for us was Hartley. Oh, yeah. Um, Hartley in that third period basically did not allow a goal. I think they only had, what, like one goal? Four, uh, three goals. They put up three. Yeah. They put up three, but it was the fourth quarter, which we'll get into, that basically made this game a lot closer than it was. Well, the other, the other big thing is uh, Halifax being 0 for 3 on the power play. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. Nighthawks actually have one of the best penalty kills in the league right now, yep. and that just speaks to it because you're looking at Halifax throughout the game, 54 shots on goal, folks. Yep. I mean, these are crazy the amount of shots, the offense that you could see in the box league, not to be outdone. The Nighthawks had 53 shots on goal. Yeah. But I got to say Connor Fields and Ryan Hartley stood out to me. Um, it's just phenomenal. The turnaround. <laughs> it but is. like you said, he was concussed last year. So who knows how he would have played right last year. This all could have been the same Hartley that we saw last year too. Right. Well, but, he made 40 saves last night, yep. Hartley. Uh, Warren Hill, he had 32. The first time we played in Halifax, they got us. They got us 17 to 7. And, you know, and in talking with Uncle Mike, Warren Hill stood on his freaking head and saved a ton of shots that I think on normal nights go in. And so they were actually able to get to him. And, uh, you know, that's a nice turnaround after only mm-hmm. putting up seven on this club. You come out and you put up 16. And truthfully, they could have put up more. We hit the pipe a few times and there was a couple goals overturned. So it could have easily been a 20-goal night uh, for the Rochester Nighthawks. There's one that shouldn't have even been overturned, but I don't know what they <laughs> saw. But The other Nighthawk that uh, is really starting to impress me and coming into his own is our guy Ryan Smith. Yep. Uh, he's He's been able to do some things for us. I don't want to say John Grant-esque, not yet. I mean, that's rare error if you're ever going to get into that. But he's the guy that he likes to drop that shoulder. He likes to get close. He likes to try to create. He doesn't mind taking a guy or two to the box with him. Uh, and he's just he's really turning around. He's starting to become a reliable goal scorer. He's setting guys up, getting those assists. Uh, but to your point about Connor Fields, most of his goals, if not all of his goals, came from the outside last yep. night. So this dude is a legit bona fide sniper. And then also to your point, four four helpers with his four goals, eight points on the night. That's a super productive night from your leading your leading point getter. And he is our leading point getter. And so he can do it by putting the ball in the back of the net or he can set up his teammates. Mm-hmm. So I think the aforementioned Ryan Smith is actually starting to piggyback on Connor Fields being there. It's taken pressure off holding Katoni, who has arguably one of the hardest shots in the league. But if Katoni has a quiet night, Smith, Fields, they can pick up the slack. Curtis Knight. Curtis Knight, uh, Mitch Ogilvie. I mean, in transition, Ryland Reese has been special. Tyler Halls has been doing a good job. Matt Gilray, Brad Gillies. I mean, these yep. guys, they don't necessarily light up the stat sheet, 
but they come through in timely, timely fashion. So it's not one guy getting all those 16 goals or getting 70% of them. The Nighthawks are doing a great job, in my opinion, spreading the ball around. Everybody's getting their touches. Everybody's moving without the ball. And that's the thing. If you're new to the game of indoor lacrosse, it, it runs a little bit like basketball. Some of the teams have offensive sets. They're trying to move off the ball screens. There's little bits of pick and roll, slash into the, I like to call it the box, which mm-hmm. is basically the goalie's protected area. You can't be in that paint to score. It's a violation, no goal, if you get too close. So kind of like hockey, that blue area. But in lacrosse, you can't be in it at all. You can't be in it at all. If you're jumping and you're flying towards the keeper, that ball has to be in the back of the net before your feet come down in the crease or no goal. Yes. So these these are important things uh, to remember. So it's incredible as we talk about, we're just going to touch upon some of the stat leaders here real quick as the weekend has wrapped up. So after last night's performance, Connor Fields actually is tied with Jeff Teat of the New York Riptide, and Teat is special. Josh Byrne is down. He got hurt. Byrne was leading the league in goals up to two weeks ago, but he took a little injury there, and he's missed some time. So Fields and Teat with 28 goals are leading the NLL in scoring right now. Assists, you got Dane Smith, the great Dane, out there in Buffalo with 53 assists. Second place is Jonathan Donville at 38. So just to kind of show you what Dane Smith is doing and what that does for Dane Smith, that gives him the overall points lead in the NLL with 72 ahead of Jeff Teat at 65. Tom Schreiber of the Toronto Rockets, 61. Will Malcolm of Panther City at 56. And rounding out the top five, our guy Connor Fields with 54. He did miss a game. He got married, so he was on a honeymoon. Um but I'm just super excited for the season. I, I, I can't see the Nighthawks not making the playoffs. I'd be shocked. They've actually – the Toronto game is another tough one. Their next game at home is February 25th against the New York Riptide. And they got – so they got a bye week coming up here. Get a little rest. Everybody can get healthy. They can continue to gel, prepare for that Riptide game, win that, take care of business, go up to Hamilton at 8-2, and two, play the Toronto Rock for the last time, and then you get into the back end of the schedule – you get into the last seven games. Mm-hmm. Four of them, I believe, are at home. Yeah, the, the last three, three are, are at home. Yeah. And you're starting to play against the teams that are struggling. You've got the Firewolves, the Wings, the Riptide. I believe one more game with Georgia Swarm. I think we played Philadelphia one game, too. And I think they got Vegas. I would have to look. I got the schedule upstairs. I'm just too lazy to get it. <laughs> so the schedule, and again, there's a lot of parity in the league. You never want to write anybody off. I mean, even Halifax at the record that they're at at four and five. That's not insurmountable. That's not insurmountable, and it's kind of deceiving. They're one of the highest-scoring teams in the league. So if they can button up on the defensive side, they'll be okay, I think. So, again, that's a team that might very well be in the playoffs, and you just never know as it starts to ramp up. But I'm excited for it. I think it's Rochester's playoff berth to lose. Yeah. You know, at this point – and uh, I just love everything about what's going on with the new regime. I love all the pre- and post-game interviews with our girl Susie Cool, uh, right on the team's yep. YouTube channel there, really helping grow the game, getting exposure. I think Susie does a great job. Juliana got to work with her uh, before COVID shut the season. My daughter, Juliana, she got to be a junior reporter for the day. And, again, that's just some of the stuff that the Nighthawks are doing. 
um, as far as community outreach. They've been in the schools the last couple of weeks reading with the kids and they've been working with some youth lacrosse programs. So yeah, they do a lot of stuff. You know, these guys are not millionaires. Most of them have second real full time jobs. They could be anything from police officers to teachers to firefighters to construction workers to accountants. Um, so it's important to keep that perspective in mind. These are not overpaid millionaires. Um, they really love their fans and it shows Connor Fields coming off last night stood in the tunnel for a few minutes and signed as much stuff as he possibly could for the oh, kids. Wow, okay. Uh, Jacob got him on the back of his Jersey. So now we can never wash it. And uh, so <laughs> that's just how it goes. We love our Rochester Nighthawks. We wanted to give you a little taste of the NLL. Check it out guys. Yeah, if, Check if, it out for sure. If you're looking for another sport, you know, if you're one of these people that, you know, you're, you're tired of the softness of the NBA, I don't want to criticize the NBA because I still like the game, but I will acknowledge it has changed if you're an old head like me. It's soft it, with it, fouls. And it stuff, has yeah. changed. Uh, you know, give give the NLL a shot. Um, as I say, everything's on ESPN+. Plus. You're not going to get a lot of ads and a lot of commercials. And, you know, they're working on improving the presentation. But never in my wildest dreams that I think these games would be televised in high definition with hometown broadcasters, if you will, and sideline reporting and all yeah. this other good stuff. So the legitimacy of the league uh, has definitely, it's definitely leveled up, definitely sure leveled has. up. You want to close with anything, Al, before we wrap this up? Uh, the keys to last night's game, I just want to go over that. Uh, once Jake Withers got ejected, mm. the face-offs were brutal. We're brutal on the face-offs, the games I've seen. Um, we got to get better with that because I feel like if we can gain more possessions mm -hmm. up off the jump, I should say, yeah, um, I feel like we can set the pace. Um, but Connor Fields just needs to keep doing what he's doing. Ryan Smith, Ryland Hartley, um, Paul Dawson on defense, Ogilvie, like you mentioned, mm -hmm. that Ver that Vela was pretty good yesterday. Yeah, Thomas Vela got his first career goal and he had two on the night. Um, you know, really excited to see. And then don't forget our number one pick. Uh, Convy, he's not even here right now. They did a little bit of a COVID adjustment, so you can actually draft a guy in his junior year ahead of his senior year. Now he can't come and play for you. He's got to go finish, yeah. uh, you know, his senior year. But then after that, he's coming to the the Rochester Nighthawks. So I'm really excited uh, for the potential, not only that they're showing right now, but that they have when they get another piece like that. And I just I, I trust our general manager, Dan mm -hmm. Carey, and we've got a great coaching staff. Uh, Mike Hazen, obviously, he's yep. from the original Nighthawks. He stayed along with Patty O'Toole and they've added uh, Gavin Prout to kind of help with the offense. And you can actually see it. You can see the improvement. So I'm super excited. But yes, to your point, the Withers ejection was huge. This guy hardly ever loses faceoffs, folks. I mean, he has nights where he only loses one or two of them and he's taken 30 just to give you an idea. He's the GOAT when it comes to face-offs, in my opinion, in the NLL. Well, hell, that's all I got, man. That's all I got, too. <laughs> uh, until next time, folks, for sure. Yeah, this has been the Talking Sportscast with Jay and Al, available on Spotify, Anchor, and Google Podcasts. If you like this podcast, please follow it. It's a weekly show. Share it with your friends. Our audience is starting to grow, and we do appreciate you for that. We, we pride ourselves on coming at you with logistics, statistics, and uh, not pulling anything out of our rear ends. So yeah. appreciate you guys for listening. And as I say, if you enjoy it, please share it. Until next time, I'm Jay. I'm Al. And this is the Talking Sportscast with Jay and Al. Enjoy the Super Bowl tonight, folks. Absolutely. Stay safe. See ya.